0: Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM, online at radionorthland.org. And you can check us out too in the moment, live on TuneIn. And don't forget our SoundCloud page, Radio Northland, where you can go and listen to every single recorded episode of Wrestling Memories. That's over 11 years now, folks. I'm Glenn Broggett, back with you once again here in 2023. And it's always good to have uh, my co-host, my partner in crime, the man who took up the post here not all that long ago, Mike, how many years now has it been? The Grizzle Vet, Mike McCurdy. Mike, how are you, my friend? Has it been five years already, Can, or has it been longer?
1: It has been five years. Five years ago, last week, we recorded an interview with Mr. Outrageous Al Burke. The interview mm-hmm. actually aired at the end of January. So as far as listeners go, they heard my golden tones. Uh, 5 It'll be five years at uh, the end of this month.
0: I cannot believe it's been five years. It's been an interesting uh, bunch of guests. I mean, boy, we could sit and do a retrospect maybe sometime soon. But Mike... We have got a lot to talk about here, and this week we have a great guest to take on some of the matters going on in the wonderful, wacky, sometimes oh-so-questionable world of pro wrestling. But before we get into our guest for today, we do have to talk about the passing of Jay Briscoe.
1: Yeah, man. I heard that news uh, Tuesday night, when just shortly after it happened, on uh, the Gorilla Position page for my Offshoots TV uh, show that we do, somebody had posted and all, and I was just... It was kind of a hit to the stomach when I read about it Mm because, you know, I've been a Briscoe's, you know, fan for years, you know, Ring of Honor and everything else. And you know me, I love the trilogy of matches they just had against FTR. So to hear about Jay's passing, but to know that the final match he wrestled was that brilliant dog collar match and that match is going to be forever his legacy, you know, it, it, it makes it a little bit easier to deal with, but still, man, you don't want to hear, especially at the age of 38.
0: No, 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 and also, I mean, he—it wasn't just him involved in the accident. Of course, uh, the other driver, of course, passed, but also uh, his two daughters are, are uh, dealing with a, a bevy of medical issues right now as uh, of this recording today. And we just wish and send nothing but good energy, whether it be thoughts, prayers, or just good positivity uh, towards the family and uh, also uh, to to his brother Mark. I mean, those guys have been in the business for so long together. Since their teens, I can remember seeing them in the very, very early days of the Briscoes. Just how a clean shaven Briscoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How they the gimmick was <laughs> they they skipped their senior prom to go 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 to a wrestling gig. I mean, those guys were string beans. But what they grew up into and developed into, and the gimmick that they had, and the you know the and the connection that they had with their fan base. I mean, these guys were, 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 I mean, one of the more underrated acts because they were wrestling in a ring of honor. But then again, the ring of honor was also a place where they got their respect. But uh, it's just a sad thing to hear when I mean, somebody's so young like that, because it leaves behind a lot of things for, for the widow to deal with. And, you know, just the family in general. You got to think about those guys, too, along with the fans, of course. But for, first of all, the family.
1: Well, definitely the family. Like you mentioned, his daughters were in the uh, the truck with him. uh I'm not I'm not going to claim the, the facts that I, what I have are facts. But from mm-hmm. what I understand, from what his wife has posted or widow has posted, uh, one daughter is having surgery because I believe she has no movement in her legs. So they're doing like a back surgery, I believe. And then I'm hearing reports that the other one has suffered serious injuries, but is in stable condition. So, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. so yeah, we'll definitely uh, be uh, following uh, any sort of developments uh, there. And now we got to switch gears a little bit because we have lots of things, lots of questions, lots of stuff going on around pro wrestling. Uh, and we got a guy, man. I, I love the little Thus uh, theme music he has uh, on the uh, Arcadian Vanguard Network. And I just enjoy this uh, man's weather he's posting on Facebook. Uh, Mike, you, you want to do the intro because I don't know if I can give a proper one as, as good as you, my friend. Let's get into it because we got a lot to cover, a lot of gravel to travel on.
1: We, we do have a lot to cover. There's a large elephant in the room of professional wrestling that I'm sure we're <laughs> going to be discussing in depth today. So, you know, buckle in, people. The story, the story changes every minute. What do you but mean, yes, our guest. There you go. Our guest, I was very happy to, you know, get this involved in him, uh, bring him on. But, Glenn, I have a question, though, you know, speaking of our guest. Do you have any legal matters that you need to take care of? Is there someone that you need to sue
0: well oh, let me see here ah there was that time and that incident you know what i think i'm pretty okay with my legal my legal situation at the moment so i'm not i'm not gonna jinx it i'm gonna knock on whatever's close to wood right there but i know if people are in need of some good support you know when they need their case to uh, you know handled we got one guy here that's definitely up for the task
1: we do we do as you said on the jim carnett experience you're always going to hear this if you need to sue there's only one man to call, and that's our guest on Wrestling Memories this week, Mr. Stephen P. New. Steve, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you guys so much for having me on. That, uh, that intro there is more than I deserve, and uh, thankfully, uh, unlike the great Brian Last, uh, no drums, uh, and that's perfectly fine with me. I, I don't need that, but I do love that world-class intro that they have. Over there on Jim Cornette's drive thru. Thank you for having me on, fellas.
0: I like the I like the outro on that though. He'll see your ass.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've made a believer out of a lot of beer every day, yes.
1: What's that? Steve? I could have went with a bigger intro. I could have sang, I could have sung the theme song because I hear it like every week on the Jim Cornette experience. I, I could
0: have handled like the backing vocal, like Stephen P. News. Stephen, yeah, yeah. But Pino, you yeah, know what? Yeah, yeah. Come on, they, nobody wants to hear us singing. Come on, man. What are we trying to cause, deafness? Are you, <laughs> deafness or ineptness? Probably a combination of the two. But let's, Mike, Mike. Let's get let's get Stephen re- rolling here because I know once we get him rolling. I'm probably never going to want to stop chatting. Man. Oh,
1: let's let's do that cuz like I said there's going to be a large elephant in the uh, professional wrestling room we're going to need to discuss but Well, let's get to that, it, pally! There you go. Well, hold on, hold on, Glenn. We'll get to it. For our listeners right now who maybe don't listen to the Jim Cornette experience, I'm sure there's a few of them out there. You know, let's let let's introduce him to uh, Stephen Pinu and kind of find out his background in uh, the crazy world of professional wrestling as well as uh, you know legal matters and just kind of find a little bit of his background. So, Steve, how did you kind of get Involved in, uh, you know, because not only law, but, you know, you are also involved in professional wrestling. And so what kind of was the beginning for you? What got your interest in wrestling, legal, and all that, and kind of led you to where you are now?
2: Well, it, I, I'm a 41-year wrestling fan. Uh, watched the, my first match. It was an uh, ICW-Angelo Poffo match with Ronnie Garvin and, and Ricky Starr. It was August of 1981, and I've been a huge wrestling fan ever since. All through, you know, that that covers elementary school, junior high, high school. Uh, Got out of it a little bit in the latter years of college, you know, 93, 94, which was kind of a down period for the industry. And then when I was in law school, that's the Monday Night Wars, right? So I would go down to Buffalo Wild Wings in Morgantown, West Virginia. They would have two large screens one withdrawal, one with nitro, and when I was in law school, I I was forced to brief uh, the case of Roy and Ruby Massey v. Jim Crockett Promotions et al. With the et al. or and others being Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express, where they had uh, Stan had beaten up a fan, and Cornette had cussed a fan in the locker room uh, after the fan allegedly threw a ring marker in the ring fast forward a few years uh to 2004 down at the uh mid-atlantic legends fan fest i meet cornet and i have him and beautiful bobby sign a copy of that case decision <laughs> Cornett and i kind of became friends at that point and we emailed back and forth fast forward another 10 or so years and brian last who was co-hosting another podcast that i was sponsoring said hey I think I'm about to get on this rocket ship with Jim Cornette. Would you like to sponsor? And I did. The rest is history. I became a uh, counsel at that point in about 2017 for Arcadian Vanguard Network for Jim uh, Cornette and uh, his Cornette's collectibles. And, you know, we had the, the lawsuit over the T-shirt and G-Raver a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just been a ton of fun ever since. And because of that. I've had a lot of people in the wrestling industry, uh, a lot of wrestlers reach out to me and say, Hey, uh, can you help me look at a a term in my contract? Can, uh, can you, one of your associates at your firm help me trademark my gimmick? Uh, So I, I got Davey Richards out of a speeding ticket in Canova, West Virginia. I mean, you name it. uh, And I'm just about able to do it for the guys and the gals in the business. And I'm having a ton of fun. I've got my own podcast uh, called House of Kayfabe. And so I'm having more fun than a human being should be allowed to have because I get to blend my love of the law and my 25 years of legal experience with something that I'm very passionate about. Even still, you know, 41 years I've been, you know. All but ten years of my life, I've been a pro wrestling fan, and to get to combine two loves of my life—wrestling and uh, law—I sometimes, you know, when I'm speaking to certain talent or whatever, I'm just like, pinch me, you know? Is—is this real? You know, am I talking to Adam Pearce about trying to trademark Scrap Daddy for him? You know, and then later that night, he's on Raw, and I see him, and it's just, just absolutely. Incredible, or uh, Cornette is. Uh, everybody asks me, "Is that a character?" And I'm like, "No." What you listen to—that's Jim Cornette. He's the same. If he calls me at 6:30 in the morning, can you believe that? It? <laughs> uh, It's—he's the same. He's the same 24/7. He—he's the same at the Dairy Queen drive-through window as he is on the phone about any random thing. <laughs>
1: so you know you're going through law school you were just a wrestling fan you weren't going into law school kind of like with the ideas of you know possibly getting involved in legal with professional wrestling you weren't mixing the two together oh. you were just a wrestling fan who also had an interest in wanting to attend law school
2: yeah that, that's correct i mean I, I wanted to be a lawyer from the from the time i was about 13 or 14 years old and you know i just kept you know, I continued watching wrestling in high school. Uh, went to you know three or four straight years of the Great American Bash in Charleston, West Virginia. I would watch the the Mid Atlantic and the Jim Crockett House shows that would come around, or the WWF had part. You know, they ran Huntington, West Virginia. The NWA ran Charleston, West Virginia, and so I just consumed as much wrestling as I could, never dreaming that. Later on, I'd be able to use my law degree in connection with the sport of pro wrestling.
1: And the first time you kind of had any involvement with wrestling and law, you said was that uh, case with Midnight Express and a, a, a stand punched a fan, and then or Jim punched a fan. What was kind? Of, that was the first uh, yeah. kind of crossover.
2: Well, yeah, that was the first crossover because we were in Torts One, and that that's a standard. Uh, first-year law school class, whether you're in Harvard or West Virginia or Timbuktu U College of Law, uh, everybody takes torts. It's civil wrongs, right, as opposed to criminal law. And one of the cases that our torts professor assigned was the case And he comes in one day about mid-semester, first semester of law school, and goes, who in here is a wrestling fan? I know there's one of you in here. And uh, all of my buddies just dimed me out at that point. And they're like, New goes down to Buffalo Wild Wings and watches it every Monday. Oh, okay, New... Next class, you brief Roy and Ruby Massey v. Jim Crockett Promotions et al. Do you know who these characters are? Beautiful Bobby Eaton and sweet Stan of the Midnight Express. And I said, "Yeah, Professor, I do." And that I came back. He made me get all go almost into character. And one of the issues in that case was. All of the witnesses had reported that the fan was brought back to the backstage area and security and everybody from the building thought that, okay, we'll get a few autographs signed here. We're going to de-escalate the situation and everything will be okay. Well, they took the fan to the back and Cornette being Cornette starts cutting a promo on the guy, right? You black lung MFR Dada, you sorry son of a bitch, you threw that in the ring, you've caused all of this. And so one of the questions the Supreme Court had to answer was whether it was humanly possible to put that many cuss words in as short a period of time as the backstage encounter called for. Uh, And so the West Virginia Supreme Court uh, had a decision to make of whether or not Jim Cornette could have possibly used that many swear words in a short a period of time. And my professor said, well, what do you think, new Could he have done? I said, absolutely. Jim Cornette could have cussed that guy as much and used all those swear words that the witnesses said that he used. So anyway, it's a funny, funny case. That was the first time that that the law and wrestling intersected for me.
1: Well, we all know Jim Cornette very well. Not only could he have done all that swearing in that short amount of time, but he probably could have used a lot more if uh, you know, he so wanted to.
2: So, <laughs> uh, oh, oh, sure. I, I, I'm sure he used more than what the witnesses recalled.
1: I got a chance to work with Jim on uh, two different shows here in Texas in uh, 2014 and 2016, and he did a promo for a, a show I was running in California. We asked, him, and he he cut a promo where he was going to be the, the the you know, general manager, commissioner of the company and all that, and he's going to be keeping an eye on the show. But the first part of the interview or the promo he's supposed to say is, you know, Redwood Acres Fairgrounds in Eureka, California. And he it up, and he said, Redwood Acres, California. And I stopped him like, no, Jim, it's Eureka, California. Goddamn mother effer, son of a that, that. Like a swear of him. And I'm like, whoa, okay. And then (laughs) the next promo he did, he cut it perfect. But, man, he dropped so many F-bombs in, like, two seconds. I was like, dude, okay, (laughs) all right, sweet. So, yeah, no, that's Jim.
2: (laughs) Right. And it's kind of his own perfectionism. If you know him, I mean, the way his brain works is just amazing. His recall and his love of the sport of professional wrestling, what you see – on the dark side of the ring and what you hear on the drive through and the experience, uh, you know, he's 61 years old. He's just as passionate, passionate about pro wrestling as he was when he was a little kid. He loves this sport so, so much. And it's one of the things that I love about him so much and why he and I are such good friends. I mean, it's not just an attorney client relationship, but uh, he loves it and he loves people who love it.
1: So that you know that case you were setting for your uh, in your law school that was your first crossover. What was your actual first case involving like professional wrestling?
2: First case involving professional wrestling. Uh, I'm a, asking the tough a question. A friend of mine. Uh, yes, I'm trying to think. <laughs> it was probably just some contract stuff for Jim in 2017. Uh, that was probably just some background uh and then that morphed into uh helping some others the rock and roll express and midnight express and some others obtain trademarks uh so that's kind of how that stuff uh happened and it, it was and a lot of that uh is things and uh, a lawyer in my firm by the name of dusty Gwynn. uh You know, he and I are doing a lot of that stuff now, a lot of uh, contract consulting with a lawyer named Tony Risha. And uh, the case, you know, was probably the G. Raver case where I was actually in court and it was, you know, so and so versus so and so. And we were just trying to get an injunction. The funny conclusion of that story is a lot of people think we lost that case. We didn't lose the case. Uh, They had sold about $800 worth of these. Uh, shirts. It cost Cornette about eighteen thousand dollars to sue over eight hundred dollars of shirts. So after we lost the TRO, I called Cornette. I said, "Look, uh, you want to put another eighteen thousand? How many shirts they sell? Well, they sold about eight hundred dollars. God damn, mother, motherfucker, pull the plug!" So. uh <laughs> You know, Jim decided that he he didn't want to uh, spend $40,000 to run $800 worth of shirts into the ground. So, uh, you know, we dropped that after the TRO. But that, that was a fun case. Uh, you know, the lawyer on the other side uh, was, was a lot of fun. But uh, I just have a great time in any of these cases that I'm involved with. You know, whether it's sending out a cease and desist for some crazy saying that uh, – you know, Kevin Sullivan had some part in the, you know, the Benoit tragedy, or whatever it is. Uh, you know, I, I get called on to do a lot of things that don't always make uh, headlines. Uh, you know, I, I, I have some uh, litigation going on, or or the the possibility of some litigation going on right now that uh, I can't even reveal to you uh, because it's confidential in nature uh but if the negotiations break down over the next few weeks i'd love to come back on and and tell you guys uh what i think may happen with it but like i said it's to a guy like me uh it's just it's an absolute fantasy to get to to interact with some of these folks and do the work that uh i do The, the one thing that i can uh go ahead and tell you uh that's that's a scoop I was contacted recently by Marty Skrull and uh, Marty wants to re-enter the professional wrestling arena. Uh, so we're going to be helping him rehab his image, uh, clear up some misconceptions about what happened. It was uh, illegal by American standards, uh, not by uh, British standards. So uh, trying to help Marty negotiate some contracts, some things like that. Uh, it just really really excited about some things that I'm involved in. I hope to get to come on uh, with you guys again uh, and talk about some some other things but uh, it seems like every day I have something going on whether it's a contract negotiation, a trademark issue or some threat of litigation or the need to threaten litigation uh, on behalf of some wrestling superstar. Uh, it, it's a nice book of business for me now and, and I couldn't be happier.
1: Well, we'll definitely you know have you on anytime you'd like to. Just shoot me a message, and we'll bring you on anytime because I always love to hear you know the stories from the people and what's going on there. Uh, one thing I would like to ask though is you know we all know you very well, and I referenced it at the beginning of the intro is the consigliere of the you know the camp of Cornett and you know you know you need to ask sue an outlaw mud show and all that. But working with Jim Cornette, Are there times, because like I said, I've worked with him twice, are there times where you're listening to the podcast, you're hearing something, he says something in the back of your mind, you're thinking, Jim, please don't say that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, many, many times, uh, you know, many times I hear that. uh, If it, now, between the recording, there's a reason why you don't give Jim Cornette a live mic, right? Oh, I know that. (laughs) So, Last and I have about a two-day delay where... Uh, he can email me a sound clip and go, All right, are, are we okay here? Or do I need to just cut this or what have you? So, uh, yeah, that, I, I'm frequently involved, I uh, almost say frequently, occasionally involved in the editing process of uh, the experience in the drive through.
1: I, I can understand that. I would love to hear stories of Jim Cornette and all that all day long because, like I said, you know, great guy, I love his show. But I'm gonna pass the mic over to Glenn because, like I said, we referred to the uh, the elephant in the pro wrestling room, and I'm sure you know who we're talking about. And I would love to kind of hear the, you know, the legal side of this in a little way that maybe I can understand it. So I'm gonna pass the mic over to Glenn for the next round of questions.
0: Ha <laughs> ha! Elephant on Ico Pro. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh yes, uh, Steve. We got to talk a little bit about this. Uh, yeah, obvious. I mean, obviously Vince McMahon. Uh, you know, he's been a, was in the news, man. All twenty, most of twenty twenty two. Eventually stepping down, uh, and now back in the game. And Vince now, as we are talking today, of course, there's been a lot of lawsuits. You know, we we've heard about. And now, as of this recording, he just reached a settlement with uh, Rita, Ch- Rita Chatterton. Uh, that story just got brought up again to uh, the former WWF referee that accused him of rape. First of all, did you ever have any dealings indirectly with McMahon on a certain issue with a wrestler? And what's your take on what's been going on with with with, with Vince here out in trying to uh, you know sell this company? It's just definitely uh, got the whole wrestling world and business-minded people on on. Uh, full attention and he's also drawn attention of some of the people who have invested into the company who are uh in legal battles now with with the wwe and vince so this is just one big bold perfect storm but nothing too unfamiliar as far as uh, vince goes with controversy
2: that's exactly right there's a lot to unpack there right okay so let's let's start with the rita chatterton story uh That is only a story because New York passed a law last year that allowed sexual assault victims to be able for a limited period of time, regardless of when the assault occurred, Mm -hmm. to come forward and bring a civil action against uh, the perpetrator. So Ms. Chatterton, who would ordinarily have had her claim long barred by the statute of limitations, was able to bring that up. Reports today are multi-million dollar settlement of that claim. And uh, on my podcast just last week, I predicted that that would happen uh, because the WWE wanting to sell uh, or be acquired by another entity would want to clear a liability off its books like that. So uh, this is what I predict to be the first of many uh, such settlements uh, concerning anything out there about Vince McMahon, uh, John Laurinaitis or others where through the due diligence process that would have to be disclosed to a potential uh, acquiring business.
0: Now, with, with with the WWE going public all those years ago, uh, it it definitely pulled away from Vince that uh, you know that that control to a degree of doing whatever really the hell he wanted. Uh, but now he has to, to face uh, you know these people who have invested money in stock, and we're talking about things as like the Detroit Police Fire and Pension Fund, uh, among others, who have joined into uh, the, the legal ease here in the, the legal battles with Vince. I mean. They're really, uh, really got a lot of loose ends to tie up here, and it seems like when they get one tied, there's another one coming out, coming undone. So, uh, whoever is really uh, in the nerve center of trying to uh, get this thing towards the final sale, I mean, good lord, I think they better get a healthy bonus out of the whole damn thing.
2: Oh sure, and uh, take that for instance. If the thought is, uh, you know, the the, the Detroit Firefighters Fund, there was also another uh, derivative shareholder action filed in state court in Delaware recently with allegations that uh, McMahon's involvement harms them. Well, it you know, plain devil's advocate, uh, literally here, it's really hard to argue that McMahon's involvement damages the company when the company's stock price went from sixty-one to eighty-nine in a two-week span of time, guys. Mm-hmm. So, the the question is, uh, damage uh, number one. What what could those potential minority shareholders allege as damage? But number two, uh, the what they may be just making sure it may be a prophylactic type lawsuit where. They're looking out to make sure that certain class shareholders through the buyout aren't being disadvantaged by McMahon. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, you know, he's the, the, you know, he or someone named McMahon own about 80% of WWE stock. And while it's not my typical area of expertise in the law, what I do know. Uh, from, from law school and just West Virginia corporate law is majority shareholders cannot take actions that disadvantage minority shareholders. Uh, they have what's called a fiduciary duty to the minority shareholders to act in the best interest of everyone involved. Uh, you know, so you can't just because you have 80% of the shares in a company just run rough shot over everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, you know, this is uh, probably the biggest court case now. I've been hearing it's almost overshadowing all those advertisements I've been seeing for Camp Lejeune and mesothelioma these days. <laughs> right, right,
2: right. So have uh, you been? Have
0: you been violated by Vince McMahon? Oh, uh, they—they'll be on me TV five times a, you know, an hour. it will
2: be good. No, sure, sure, yeah, it, it will be fine. But I—it uh, it, it will be a if. People get word that Rita Chatterton got a settlement. If anyone else was sexually assaulted by Vince McMahon, uh, their, their clock is ticking uh, or Johnny Ace or anybody else. So, yeah, they need to come forward. And the WWE wants to put itself in the best position it can to be acquired by a Disney or a Saudi mm-hmm. fund or a Netflix or a Comcast or, a, you know, whomever it may be ultimately but that's the reason why you're seeing so much of this go on
0: Mm -hmm. and of course uh with that news that was leaked out about a potential uh deal to uh some saudi arabian interest that definitely was another thing that uh knocked the internet off its axis for a while with everybody and their grandmother and papa and the family dog having an opinion on what they think of it or how we should go about it. But again, it's just, uh, there's not, there's a lot more to things than, than, you know, just what you see.
2: Right, right. There really are. And it would be that due diligence process, fellas. uh, It's a long process. I mean, it's a six to nine month process. Uh, when you're talking about a multi-billion dollar publicly traded corporation like this. They could sign a letter of intent to do that and it'd still be a six, nine, ten month uh, due diligence process.
0: Mm-hmm. So now with this uh, sale, when it does finally come in, again, there's going to be a lot of... Uh... I guess a lot of a lot of optics, a lot of things to kind of distract from all of the baggage that came before it. So, you know, when again when a new merger happens or new something, there's definitely going to have to be some some big stuff, some big out there things for the fan and and the stockholder because it's just like they they've survived a war here in this last what ten twelve months.
2: Right. Uh, absolutely. But you know the the low on the stock. I think when the first. As Jim calls her, the illegal paralegal story broke in, like, May or June. Uh, I want to say that the stock was trading at, like, 54 or something, and everybody predicted that it would go down. Hell, it's it's 93 or something right now.
0: Yeah, it's just this Vince effect. I mean, it's like a, it's almost like he's he's got some sort of Teflon in regards to not just the pro wrestling world, but just keeping his company's stock up in the midst of all of this, you know, Inner calamity, but again, having a guy like Nick Khan in his position is also going to be a major, major help in in getting this deal kind of off the ground and finalized.
2: Absolutely. And I think that as long as you've got a guy like Hunter at the head of creative, and and we all as wrestling fans have seen the the high quality, at least in my opinion, since Hunter's been back at Creative, Sean at NXT. The the shows are more watchable than they have been in in years, and I'm not just talking about the pandemic and what have you. Uh, as long as I think you have that on the creative side, and then you have a brilliant business mind like Nick Khan on the business side of things, uh, WWE will be poised uh, for a nice long run with an act with an acquisition. Now we can argue whether an acquisition by a company like Disney or comcast would be a good thing uh but as wrestling fans really what we want to see is we want to know that the product is stable and we want to know that the product is high quality
0: well absolutely not just the current thing going on but also uh, the extensive libraries and stuff that vince has bought through the years i mean we got to have a, a some some stability some major stability for those things those assets as well because exactly A lot of importance. I mean, and content's only going to keep growing and growing. So there's, I mean, once everybody gets out of this, I mean, and and can breathe, you know, it's going to be a different, there's going to be some different things going on with the WWE. I mean, it's not just going to be business as usual when you bring in a new, uh, you know, an entity to take over. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what, you know, I'm always trying to keep an open mind because I, you know, at this point, uh, the whole Vince thing, I mean, I, I, it's it's been happening for years but i mean I, i'm gonna keep it on my mind to the company
2: sure but... uh, i am too I, i'm a huge star wars fan and a, a huge comic book collector i think think that overlap overlaps a lot with pro mm. wrestling fans you know a lot of us uh jim and brian for instance uh Uh, love to collect comic books and, and a lot of us have that kind of geeky uh, fandom or what have you. I'm a huge star Wars fan, have a huge star Wars collection of, of things and action figures and, and what have you. And uh, I didn't know at first how I felt about the Disney acquisition of something that I had loved since I was six years old. Mm -hmm. But uh, the long, you know, when I watch a series like Andor on, disney plus or uh obi-wan or what have you uh it's just i know that the property is in good hands at that point now do you like the 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 episode seven eight nine uh you know that can be argued or what have you but uh watch the mandalorian and tell me that you aren't really tickled to death that disney owns lucasfilm and star wars
0: And, you know, too, with, you know, a possible deal like that to a company like that, the, you know, for many years, the big knock on their Hall of Fame was there's no physical building. There's just, you know, they have all this great stuff that they could display, but there's just no building. And then, of course, the, you know, the criteria to get in that, you know, that gets further revved up when you have no physical structure of a Hall of Fame. But do you think and this is just from a fan's perspective, after this is all said and done in the next five, 10 years, do you think there will be finally a hall of fame? Or do you think this will be something that maybe will happen after Vince finally passes on in 2059?
2: I'll tell you how long this has been in discussion. Wheeling, West Virginia in the mid 1990s was in discussion as a location for the WWF physical hall of fame building. Mm Mm-hmm. By 1995 so I think that a company like Comcast or a company like Disney could make boatloads of money mm-hmm. uh, by actually constructing uh, a park uh, that has at its center a WWE or a pro wrestling Hall of Fame with a physical plant, and not only that you could establish a pro wrestlers trust where the families of professional wrestlers could donate their items. Uh, I helped Miranda Gordy a few months ago, uh, get Bam Bam's items back from another entity calling itself a pro wrestling hall of fame. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she would love to have, she and her mother would love to have a place to display, uh, Bam Bam's, Robes and the Freebird stuff and the his boots and tell me that that a Terry Bam Bam Gordy uh, display <laughs> or a Freebird's display <laughs> yep. wouldn't in a physical building wouldn't be awesome. It would be awesome and you just put a little monitor up there and you show some of their best matches with the Von Ericks and the Road Warriors and you know so on and so forth. So yeah, I can totally in my mind's eye see that happening.
0: Oh yes, and of course uh, you got to have a, a, one of the screens play Bad Street USA. I mean, you could do
2: a whole kinds of <laughs> different stuff, right? You
0: know. Or maybe, uh, yeah. I don't know about the uh, I'm a free bird.
2: The further down experience. the street you go, the better it got. Yes, Uh-oh. absolutely. Yeah.
0: Now another question, <laughs> another serious question here, and this is another thing that's been uh, a black cloud hanging over pro wrestling for quite some time. Uh, Endroads roads had been made throughout the years you know some were bigger and some were not uh the possibility now with the new owner of maybe union ben- getting some sort of union or maybe even sag getting involved uh with with these pro wrestlers because you know that that's again this is the cloud this whole independent contractor thing and and having really none of the benefits of someone who has been in a union or something like sag uh, do you think anything like that could be possible with a with an idea uh, with a with a deal with a big entertainment mover and shaker? I
2: I think yes. Right now, the wrestling companies are treating talent better, but you still have these really uh, awful independent contractor agreements. I am in litigation with Ring of Honor and Sinclair Broadcasting. It's actually with arbitration. On behalf of Kelly Klein and Joey Mercury, we're in arbitration in Maryland concerning uh, misclassification of professional wrestlers from their time at Ring of Honor and uh, with Sinclair. And so I I would love to see that challenged more. Uh, It's just really, really hard uh, to challenge once the talent signs those agreements. Mm -hmm. I don't know that a union per se uh, I have spoken with SAG a couple years ago. Uh, I'm very interested in that issue. But SAG wants like uh, 100 people, like 50 talent from each of the biggest companies to come forth and sign the SAG intent, you know, under the uh, National Labor Relations Board. And to be quite honest with you, there just aren't 50 talent in WWE, AEW, Impact, Uh, Ring of Honor, what have you, to want to sign on and kind of stick their necks out for that. So SAG is hesitant, you know, when they can't get 100 or 150 wrestlers to agree to that. So uh, I'd love to see the independent contractor agreement done away with, go to standard employment type contracts and maybe just set up some type of a trust where the wrestlers can collectively bargain uh, for better conditions all the way around. And it's being done piecemeal right now with some of the more powerful talent really speaking up for, uh, you know, some of the newer talent and things like that. But it, it's very haphazard and it's very piecemeal at the moment. I'd like to see that be a whole lot more organized.
0: Mm-hmm. And another thing, too, with with emerging science in the medical field, who knows, maybe, in you know, in the next few years, there'll be more uh, going towards uh, to finally actually diagnose a living athlete or a person with CTE.
2: Right, right. And, and we know all the inherent risks uh, of professional wrestling. And it's a great sport, but even doing it the way that it's supposed to be done and as well as it can be done, these guys and gals can be and, and are injured they they just need taken care of when that happens. And if they're classified as independent contractors, they're re- responsible for their own workman's compensation, their own health insurance and everything like that. Uh, and it, it just leads to some some really severe problems sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. We're talking with Stephen Pinew, and we're going to bring in Mike McCurdy into the conversation. It's really interesting to have uh, this uh, perspective of pro wrestling uh, to discuss. It's really been pretty cool, Mike. What do you think?
1: Oh, I've enjoyed it. I've been enjoying listening to it and now I have a better kind of a understanding of the whole stockholder and Vince McMahon's situation and everything. So, you know, sometimes you gotta have it explained to you in, in simpler terms because I I don't I don't understand all the legal mumbo jumbo that they put out there. So uh very happy to have Steve on as a guest and definitely open invitation anytime you would like to come on to uh join us if there's any you know legal matters, or there's just some he'd like to promote. But uh, I do know we have to wrap it up because uh, Steve is a busy man. He's got a lot of legal matters out there to take care of. But women
0: uh, shaking question. that guy.
2: There we go. <laughs> I'm on my way to New Orleans right now. Uh, one thing that I, that I will put out there, in, in a bit of self promotion, is you know sometimes guys look at me and say, "Well, I, that that guy's a personal injury lawyer from Southern West Virginia. You know what's he doing?" I'm currently litigating cases in about 11 other states. I'm on my way to New Orleans, suing one of the largest energy companies in the world for the fallout of Hurricane Ida. I was uh, honored to be asked to come in to help litigate that case with the lawyers who are doing that work down in New Orleans. It's a tremendous honor. Uh, The case of my lifetime is representing addicted babies. Uh, My team represents almost 4,000 addicted babies who were uh, mom was taking painkillers, told that it was safe to do, uh, while pregnant. So I just, guys, I love my work. I love all of the stuff that I do, the, the cases that I'm, uh, uh, you know, blessed enough to be able to represent plaintiffs, you know, suing large corporations. And then the, the pro wrestling stuff that, that we've talked about it, the, the clientele that I have, uh, second to none people like. Adam Pierce, Jim Cornette, The Rock and Roll Express, Kelly Klein, uh, Kevin Sullivan. I mean, they're just, and they end up turning out to be great friends of mine.
1: Now, that ties into my final question. Uh, You know, as you said, you've been a fan for, you know, 40 years. Uh, You went to law school. You, you know, you had great cases. You know, Jim Cornette raves about you. And I did hear a lot about the, uh, I believe it was opiate addictions or whatever was part of the case you were talking about. But how is it, though, you know, as an attorney and all that, but now not just that you're also recognizing the professional wrestling world as a wrestling personality. You know, you are part of the wrestling world. I mean, you know, Stephen P if you need to sue, we all know the jingle, you know, how does that kind of make you feel just as a fan knowing that now you're, you're, you are actually a personality in the wrestling world.
2: You know, when I get texts from wrestlers, uh, like Cody Rhodes was having one of his last AEW matches, and some smart aleck cult of Cornet fan had a sign there. It says, "If you flip on me, I'm calling Stephen P. New. So I get bombarded with texts and phone calls when that happened, uh, and it's just it's really humbling to be quite honest with you, because for to be a to be a wrestling fan. You, you know, when you watch the WrestleManias and the Royal Rumbles and the Clash of Champions and all of that stuff, you know, we live vicariously through those wrestlers, right? When when somebody wins a match, they get their hand raised or they get hoisted up on some somebody's shoulders or the the confetti falls. That's just that's us living vicariously through those people, and to just have a very 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 minor small segment. Of that kind of whatever, you know, to see your name on a placard uh, at a wrestling show, it's just really humbling to me. And I, I couldn't be happier with it that, you know, people tag me in Twitter posts or, you know, I have some wrestler DM me on Twitter and say, hey, I've got a question for you. It's totally unrelated to wrestling, but Cornette puts you over. So I thought I would reach out. You know, it's just, it's, uh, it's mind blowing to be quite honest with you to be a part, to be considered to be part of the sport of pro wrestling.
1: Well, once again, Steve, I'd like to thank you for joining us. And we do have a few recurring guests that come on on a regular basis to kind of, depending on our topics and I would definitely like to add you to the list. And in case, you know, Glenn gets a little salty and possibly gets us in a legal issue, you know, we might be able to retain your services sometime.
2: Well, <laughs> you know, he, he sounds like he's a rabble rouser. You know, he sounds like the kind of guy that would be at the Wawa or the whatever, the Speedway and cut a promo on somebody and, uh, you know, find himself in, in legal trouble and needing to make that special phone call. So, yeah, if you need to get Glenn out of a scrape, might um, just give me a call and I can do it.
0: Absolutely. This man sounds like he's up to the task.
2: <laughs> hey, guys, also, I'm going to put over Bash in Beckley, number three, June 17th, 2023. We're going to start making announcements soon, but I can tell you that the main event will be Matt Cardona versus West Virginia's own Heath in a steel cage for the all-star wrestling heavyweight championship. And we're just growing and growing this year. We're going to have a four hour con from one to five leading into the gates coming open for the show. And last year we, the the top of the bill was FTR versus the American wolves. Uh, And uh, we had a great show last year that was topped by that on the top of the card, the main event. And we're looking to top that this year. And we've got some surprise announcements. Uh, I'm going to bring Pat Buck in for a training with the guys and the gals while the con is going on. And uh, we would love to have any of your listeners who want to make the trek to Beckley, West Virginia on a, on a beautiful summer day. Come down Whitewater Raft, uh, You know, see a show out at Theater West Virginia, and uh, guaranteed to have a great weekend, a great time.
1: All right, Glenn. Well, on that note, I think we can, uh, you know, safely say that the timekeeper is ready for us to wrap up this week's episode.
0: Yeah, it's time to wrap things up. A big thank you to Mr. Stephen P. New. Definitely going to be coming back to the program, and we'll have some. We'll, we still got a lot of, lot, lot in the tank with him uh, for the Grizzle Vet, Mike McCurdy. I'm Glenn Broggett. You've been listening to Wrestling Memories.